Welcome back to the Poptimist. Today we have the owner of Eat Sleep Rock, Danny Shaw. What up? And making his Poptimist debut, professional sports better, Indy Matthew. Professional sports better. <laughs> um, you can take everything I, I say to the bank. Uh, feel free to sue me if none of my bets uh, come through. Um, yep. Uh, professional sports better. As of two weeks ago, professional sports better. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it <laughs> unfold right before my eyes. Yeah, I quit my job. I called my parents. I said, hey, mom, I've done it. So, yeah. I, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> so you started sports betting. What was the, the first thing you bet on? Um, I had someone, one of my friends came to me because uh, NFL started. And we were just excited about the fall. And... Uh, he used to play football, so he's all into it. He watches every game. He knows a lot more about it than I do. And he was like, hey, man. He's like, I got these lineups. You should do it. If you, get, if you bet, like, $10, you get 150 for free, and then you just play, place a free bet. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Well, I'll do that. I'll pay, I'll pay $10 to place a 150 bet. So I placed $10. We ended up winning that bet for, like, 120 Um. And then I think I lost the 150 bet, the free 150. I totally lost it right away. And then so I had 120 to spend, and it was like a Saturday night, and we had been out uh, just partying, goofing drinking around, adult <laughs> beverages, and yeah, doing things. And then we got home, and I uh, had that 120, and I was sitting there just looking at my app, getting excited about that little 120 I won. And then uh, I think Shane Lowry was in third place two weeks ago at the BMW PGA Tour, which I believe is in Indianapolis, in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, but he was in third place, this Irish guy. And uh, I just, I thought about it. I was like, well, if he's in third place, he's got the best odds like to, to flip the money the most. I think it was plus 850, which I still don't know what that means. I just know when it says it's plus, they're less likely to win. So you win more money. I'm, I'm learning right now. So I was just like, and I watched this YouTube video, and it's an interview with Shane Lowry about how, how he almost, like, he did well last year, maybe the year before, and he was behind Rory, Rory McIlroy, and he's a, he's a big deal. He's Irish as well, or Welsh maybe, one of the two. And uh, so he was, he was excited to win. He was an underdog. So I was like, well, fuck, this is free money damn near. So I just put all 120 on Shane Lowry to win, 850 plus 850, and he smacked it the next day. And I remember I was driving to work. I was yeah, watching. I was with you. Yeah, you were with me, and we were watching the payout because they kept offering me more. You and more were money. refreshing every no joke, every twenty five seconds. Yeah, luckily, <laughs> luckily, we for legal reasons we definitely weren't going eighty on the highway while I was staring straight at my phone. Um, may or may not have been in my work vehicle too. I don't know. <laughs> and what ended up happening? Nice. What ended up happening? Well, the uh, the payout got up to be so. If I was gonna smack that for uh, 120, which I bet on that at 850, if I won the whole, if you won the whole thing, I was gonna win 1140 dollars, 1140. So I was pumped about that. Went over a thousand dollars on a ten dollar bet I placed initially. It was pretty pretty sick. So I was like, man, I want that to hit. And then it came down to a wa- the wire. It's like him and uh, I can't remember his name. It starts with a T. Real simple name. Con or Tom or something, I don't know. But they had a shootout. They were like, uh, they were going to the last hole and they were neck and neck. And I was like, man, if I can just, I want this to keep climbing. It kept going down to 400, back up to seven. It was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. On the way to work, it was like a 25 minute ride maybe. And that that whole time it went down 
It probably was. four hundred. Yeah, three hundred. Yeah, it was yeah. like three fifty-seven at one point, and you were like, "Fuck, shit, fuck." Yeah, because and at then one it started point climbing earlier, back up. Well, the thing was, before we left for work, it was at seven hundred. I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then I left for work, and then we were driving, and it was like going down and down because they were they were I think they were paired together, so the odds were changing every stroke, and it would reset. So it's just it was a nail biter. And then when I got up to nine hundred, I was on the phone with Danny. And I was like, man, if I, if I win this, I win 1100 but I can cash out right now for 900 And Danny goes, dude, you're an idiot if you don't cash out right now. I mean, that is dude, true. I did. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not usually one to play yeah. the safe route, but I was, the right I was like, dude, it's $950. Like, just fucking take ten, it. On essentially a $10 bet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was nuts. So uh, as of that moment, I think around 3 p.m. that day, two weeks ago, I've been a professional gambler. <laughs> And I'm just going to lean into that as hard as I can. <laughs> and you're up today as well. I'm up today. This morning, oh, my gosh. Um, thank God for Miami coming back to win. I, I had a five-leg parlay. I can pull it up if I can get Wi-Fi service in a second. I had a four-leg parlay that I woke up this morning and just was feeling a little saucy. And it's Sunday. And the best, like, the, the most different, like, deals are on Sunday. Not deals, but... Uh, like the best uh, your odds, options, right? Your options or, oh. For different types of bets. Yeah. You can make the most money that way. Well, no, technically, there's just like there's just more uh, there's just more things available because you've been you guys have been on that website. I mean, it's like it's unreal the amount of different options you have. Yeah, yeah, it's overwhelming. It's too much. I still have yeah. no clue what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I I will say after the day after I won that 900 bucks, I spent eight hours the next day staring at my phone trying to figure out what what the hell was going on. Um, that hasn't really paid off till today. I think I just got it, or like crazy lucky again today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I still have no clue what's going on, but, um, yeah, this morning I had a five leg parlay, different things, uh, just different day, different games. Uh, Tom, Tom Brady didn't win. He came back and won. He was struggling at first, kind of scaring me. I had, uh, Indianapolis to lose, uh, I, I watched an interview this morning. This this uh, you bet against the Colts. I bet against the Colts. Yeah, but this this guy I watched earlier this morning said that Indiana hasn't won in Jacksonville for a long time. So I was like, well, they're not going to win now. Um, so I bet against the Colts to win a bet for Jacksonville, and then uh, I bet for the Rams to win the first half. They did easily, super easy. Tom, and then I what, what was the other one I said? Uh, um, maybe the the Miami game. The Miami game. Oh yeah, that's true degeneracy, dude. When you're betting on the Dolphins to win, dude. Um, well, another thing, YouTube. Uh, I don't know. Shout out to YouTube. I pay for YouTube Premium. I highly recommend it. Actually, Danny's the one who turned me on to it. You it's don't, true. You yeah. don't get ads when you watch YouTube. So, but then, then the CIA knows every stroke you make on your computer. Because um, we'll it's owned by Google. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but. Uh, so, yeah, my YouTube was showing me these videos of, uh, of the Dolphins, like a highlight reel from last week. Um, so it looked cool. I was like, yeah, I like, I like the Dolphins. Let's do it. And what, the reason I did them is because they were favored to, to lose. So I would get more money if they were to win. And by God, oh, yeah, it's Baltimore. That's who they played. Came back and beat Baltimore. Thank God. That was so sick. So, yeah. And how first- much did you win from that? Today on that five leg parlay, I won four hundred and thirty eight dollars, and I think seventy nine cents. So you're up like fifteen hundred dollars right now. Roughly. As of now, I bet I won that nine hundred. I bet fifty of it. I was at eight fifty five, and then uh, today, I put twenty five back into my account to just play with, and then that ten dollar bet, 
on that five leg parlay, it won me four hundred and forty dollars. Um, just like piecing together things that are like somewhat sure things, somewhat a little bit sketchy. Um, I don't know. So you went past a thousand today. And yeah, I'm, a, I'm officially. I mean, I've been professional for two weeks. But <laughs> today, today yeah, it's official. Yeah, today I could. Uh, I mean, I feel I'm like into it. I feel like you've done better than ninety percent of people who get those apps. Though Bro, most people probably dude. never make a thousand dollars. Today, that does that sound wrong? Game, well, uh, it depends how long and how much money you want to put into it. But that Miami game today, at halftime, if my memory serves. They were down 21-0 yeah. at halftime. And we were in the car with each other, I think, during the... The latter half of the game. Yeah. The, we, were in the, we were in the car together, like, the last six minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, but at halftime, they were down 21-0, and I had a cash-out option of, like, uh, I think, like, 81 cents, like, something ridiculous, to get, like, a dollar back out of my $10, $10 bet. So I was like, well, I don't want to do that, because that's, like, a waste. So I'll just, like, I'll, I'll see what happens. So I didn't cash out. I, I stayed in there, and then slowly Dolphins just chipped away at him, came back, and there was some – they stopped him a few times. Their defense came through for me. Um, and then they scored in the last 20, minute, or 20 seconds of the game to win the game, and then that secured my $440. So, yeah, dude, I'm quitting my job. <laughs> well, I recommend news. everyone else. <laughs> I recommend everybody who wins any bet do so as well. Oh, Nice. <laughs> As a professional, is that gamer. two weeks' notice or just like <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. done? <laughs> just for you know, we'll see how tonight goes. Yeah, we'll see how goes. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I mean, when you started talking about it and you mentioned that, uh, like I just got in your car that one day and you were fired the fuck up. Well, I mean, it was it was such a random thing for me to do because the money was like I paid ten dollars to get one twenty. I was like, well, you know what, whatever. And I had a good feeling about that video I watched. I'm like, he, he seems happy and confident that he's going to do well on, on the third day of the tournament. So I was like, well, fuck, dude, let's just do it. So I put 120 on him, smacked for 900. I couldn't believe it. Well, it was going to be 1,100 if I stayed in. He ended up winning the tournament. But I cashed out for the, for the sure thing of $900. So, yeah, I don't know. Indy, you are, I think, maybe the fifth or sixth person from Kokomo that's come on this podcast. Peace up, K-Town down, baby. What was it? What high school did you go to in Kokomo? <laughs> did you go? Did you go to school with Dustin and Josh? I went to school with Dustin and Josh. Um, from the reveal, by the way. From the reveal, from Kokomo, Indiana. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious to think about. Um, yeah, I knew Josh. Uh, well, Dustin lived a block away from me um, in Kokomo. I had a house in a in a cul-de-sac. And he lived on the corner right next to this apartment complex. And we ended up, I think we rode the bus together is how we met. And we just happened, we were in the same grade, happened the same age. He went to like a city school and then moved to the county school when he moved into my neighborhood. So we didn't meet each other until like uh, fifth or sixth grade. And then uh, this, this, uh, the movie School of Rock came out. And it changed a, like a lot, of our, a lot of our lives, I guess. We all saw that movie and we were just so pumped like watching these kids play instruments and like jam together and have fun. And it, it became a reality like that. Maybe that could be something we do. And it just seems so cool to have a guitar and play drums or whatever. So I, for Christmas, I was like, I want a guitar. That's so sick. And then Dustin got a, a drum set for Christmas the same year. And Dustin's dad is actually um, a really talented He's a professional player. musician. Professional musician. has been playing music his entire life too. He's nuts. 
He, he bought me a guitar one time. He's, it was very nice. But uh, we got a guitar and, uh, and drums the same, at the same time. We started jamming together. And then, like, a year later, we ended up playing at the Halloween dance at school, like, just little originals that we made up, like, five minutes of material, just, like, different little snippets of songs. And, uh, yeah, that Dustin became, Dustin's just, like, leaned into it, got into yeah. the marching band and stuff. Uh, and got super technical with it. I kind of went a different direction for a little while. But, yeah, I've known Dustin forever, um, riding the bus. He had a trampoline at his house, too. That probably helped build our relationship. I don't think if Dustin didn't have that sick trampoline, I don't think we would have spent that much time together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, that's how we got to know each other. It was a good time. Uh, and then Dustin actually ended up being my roommate in college when we went to when we went to Ball State as well. What was that like? What was that like? Um well <laughs> it's it was cool because Dustin got on, uh joined the band at Ball State. He wrote a drum cadence for the song uh Shots uh for the football games and they actually still use it now. Um oh, I shit. don't think Dustin gets any credit for that at all. Yeah. He wrote like a, a drumline cadence for <laughs> by, shots. By Lil John? By Lil John. Lil John himself. Nice. And yeah, he wrote a drum cadence to that, and they still use it. If you go back to Ball State games, it's funny. But du- Dustin joined the band, so and then we ended up being roommates together, and we were actually across the hall from two other people we went to high school with as well. And then, uh, so we roomed together there. He was in band, so we got a really sick dorm, because if you're a part of like a Ball State sports team or any organization, you get like really nice dorms. But ours, <laughs> ours was... Uh, in the middle of campus, and it was the uh, most handicap accessible dorm. Fits for Dustin. <laughs> well, they had automatic doors. We'll say that. Again. But it used to be an old hospital. Uh, the ball Oh, ooh, shit. It used to be an old hospital that they converted into a dorm. Yeah, so Creepy. all the doors were, like, automatic. Ball so st- was it, like, wide hallways and shit? Wide enough hallways, but all the doorways were real big um, for, like, gurneys and stuff back in the day. But we were on the first floor with uh, the people that needed those facilities as well. But we were in the, they put us in the very back of the hallway because we were going to be loud and obnoxious, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a good time. Living with Dustin was fun. Uh, we spent a lot of time together <laughs> uh, as, as dorm rates do. Um, well, before you... Uh, I can dive real deep into that. Before you moved to Nashville, you've been here for, what, two years now? Two years now. Almost. What were you doing before you moved here? Um, So when I got out of school, I... uh, Out of college? Yeah, when I got out of college at Ball State, I graduated in 2015. Um, I took this job at Lowe's where I was organizing construction jobs from an office in Indianapolis. So what what Lowe's did was they they consolidated, quote-unquote. I mean, they fired all the salespeople at at the local businesses, like the stores of Lowe's. And then um, they centralized them in a headquarters in Indianapolis. So we were all doing it from, from cubicles. So when people would go in and order, like, siding or roofing, um, HVAC systems or whatever, there, you, w- there used to be a liaison between Lowe's and the customer. Well, they, they made it a big call center. So I worked for five locations around the Lake Michigan area um, from an, an office in Indianapolis. So I did that for a second. It ended up being a nightmare. Uh, yeah, they uh, when they hired us, they didn't tell us at all. They said you're going to be organizing construction jobs. Like, okay, that's cool. And then they're like, what, the first day we got hired, they're like, oh, by the way, 
um, you, you can also accept, you're gonna be accepting people calling in, complaining and having questions as well all day. So the job just became a, a nightmare of balancing that and trying to do your job every day, day to day. Yeah, so it's like you're, you're fielding shit basically and yeah. all of that. When did you work for the, uh, the union gig you worked? Oh, the union gig. I, uh, so I did, I did a Lowe's thing. I lived in Indianapolis, Broad Ripple, super cool place to live. But uh, I ended up uh, moving back to Kokomo, my hometown, and then um, I got a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which is actually a great place to work. Enterprise rocks. I quit Enterprise uh, because I got offered to work at a factory in Indiana, and uh, it's a very, like, hyper-focused... It's like a, it's a glorified steel mill. They make, like, high-quality metals and things for different purposes. I got hired there, and that's, like, uh, that was a, a union place as are most factories there in Indiana. Um, but that's what I did. I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna be there forever. When you get a job at those factories at a place like that, um, it's like hitting the lottery, like for local people. It's the, it's the only way to make a good amount of money in a place like that when it's just factories or businesses that service the people that work at the factories. There's really no in between at all. That's all it is there. So yeah, so I, I started a job there. It was really nice pay. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was an interesting. Well, there was a point in time in America where it was all factories and, and unions and the unions right. do serve a purpose to a certain degree, but mm-hmm. now it seems like a lot of unions and, and workers, it's disappeared. It's mm-hmm. like a part of American life that has disappeared. There, right. there was where I grew up in Maine. Um, there was this place called Bath Ironworks. Mm-hmm. And they built battleships for the Navy. Oh, that's and cool. there was people that would drive from like two and a half hours away to come to work yeah. every day mm-hmm. because that you made so much at the job. It was the best opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, just looking around at America, it's like you look at the Rust Belt, like Ohio and, and mm-hmm. all those places, like in the Midwest and in Indiana where you're from. Yeah. And a lot of them went down during the Obama years because so much of that industry died. And part of it was the fallout from like nine 11, the war on terror, the Bush years, the recession, all of that shit. Yeah. Um, what was it like when you were growing up in Kokomo? Was, was it like, were there, was it just starting to kind of die? Cause I imagine at one point it was a hustling bustling place similar to Detroit was in the sixties. By the time we got there, I lived in uh, Sebring, Florida until I was like six and Sebring, Florida is just like one big retirement like town. I know Sebring. My yeah. sister vacations there. Yeah, it's a nice place. It's a, it's cheap. It's central Florida. It's not by the beach. It's like two hours away from the beach, but it's still Florida. It's a nice place. So we lived there. We moved to Kokomo because that's where my mom was originally from, and she was homesick. Growing growing up in Kokomo, uh, I would say cool. It's a great place to like to raise a family. There's not much. When people describe like Indiana, like simple simple life. I mean, it's like, there's a little town and then 10 minutes, any direction, just constant corn and bean fields. And it's completely flat, uh, which is weird being here now. Yeah. Going back to Indiana, it looks cartoonish. Like, uh, I was, I visited my friend in Indianapolis and we were up, he lives like up in a building in downtown. And I was just looking at the streets and looking at the distance and it completely like just flat. Just does like, it just seem like it goes on forever? It too? just does it like like it didn't make sense. Like it seemed fake. It looked like a drawing, um, which I that was just an observation I had the other day. But uh, 
Yeah, it was cool. I think it's a great place to raise a family. I think there's a lot of good schools there, actually. Um, I have no qualms. I, I have no qualms with living in Kokomo. I will say most people that most people that grew up there, they they stay there forever, um, or they get out right away as soon as they can, just because unless you work at the factory and you're content with that, there's not much else going on there. Yeah, no, I mean it was the same pl- like way where I grew up. Uh, I always knew I kind of wanted to leave. I tried to get a job at Bath Ironworks because my dad worked there. Mm-hmm. Seems like the right thing to do. Uh, yeah, well, I was yeah. like, I can do this and save money. But looking back on it now, it was really a blessing that I didn't do it because I probably would have started making good money and got a girl pregnant and yeah. lived that small town life That's and been happens. miserable. Yeah. yeah, then it's just it's uh, people are content with just doing what um, what everybody else does. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It's just um, there's no there's no gray area when you do that, you know. It's just like it. It's, it's all black and it's, white. It's easy. It's black. It's yeah. It's an it's an ultimate right away. I don't know. So I looked at myself at the factory. I saw that I got laid off um, just after COVID started. I remember they started forcing us to wear the mask, and that that's the first time I was like, oh, this is kind of serious. Because when it first happened, everybody was like, oh, we'll see. And even the, I mean, everyone was downplaying it. And then we had to start wearing the mask at work. And we're like, oh, no. And they were talking about layoffs. And personally, I was pretty excited because I was kind of overworking there already. Yeah. I had to work third shift. And you were making good money. I was making more money. Yes, I was making very good money. Um, when I worked at Enterprise, I was, um, I was doing very well. And then I, I left for the factory. I mean, it was just, it was literally twice the pay. Twice. The Damn. Pay. Yeah. Wow. Immediately. Yeah, so that was, that was pretty crazy. Um, now, not not all jobs are like that, though, but this is a very, like, specialized place, so the stuff they sell isn't super cheap, so. Yeah. And then most people that work there, they never leave, like I said, so it's an investment of the company. You work there 20, 30 years, then you retire, and you retire least, fairly young, too. If you, that's why, um, if you get a job there young, I mean, I was, like, I think 27 when I got a job there, everybody I met at the factory were like, you're so lucky because you'll be able to retire when you still have some, like, a life left. And they, most of them didn't start working there until, like, 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 maybe late 30s. I mean, there's some local people, but most people are from out of town. Like you were saying, they drove yeah. a, little way, a little bit out of ways. So, yeah, I felt, I mean, I felt lucky. Um, I'm glad I'm out. When you, when you were getting um, laid off from the factory, were you still in a relationship at that time? Uh, oh, No. No, it was no longer. Yeah, I had a long-term relationship that Taylor's privy to back in Indiana. But, yeah, I was no, I was single by that time. Yeah. So I was free from everything. Dude, honestly, this is going to make me sound like a degenerate, like a, like a pirate. <clears throat> I don't care. Thank God for COVID-19. I know it's a hot take. It's a very hot take <laughs> on your podcast. But, dude, I was, I was going to stay at that factory and just give up. Like, that's all I was going to do forever. I mean, because the money's so good. They call it Hotel California. There's a big sign above. Oh, my God. There's Jesus. a big sign above the, the uh, machine I used to operate that someone back in the day, like forever ago, like spray painted Hotel California over this machine. And uh, they, it's like a joke because once you're there, especially in that area, you cannot leave because you'll never make the amount of money you have there. But um, it's great for people that are that are willing to do that and that that's their best option. Um, I met a lot of really awesome, smart, funny people there. Uh, I met people that I would never hang out with and I disagreed with everything they said. But like what? Um, 
I mean, dude, it's a big, it's a factory, bro. They used to call it uh, floor talk. Like, if you get hired anywhere else, you have to be, you have to dress a certain way. And, of course, at the factory, there was dress codes. But you have to, like, have a certain level of decorum and professionalism, and you have to worry about what you say and what you do. But, dude, these people are getting paid, like, the same as, like, not doctors, but they're doing well. And they're, it's pirates, dude. Just like, the, and they're protected by the union, so they don't give a fuck. I mean, yeah, but that's a fun. That's a fun thing because yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, everyone's, yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun thing, but it's easy to fall into. Like, I remember when I was deep in the factory, like I'd been there for a year. I was working night shift. I had this huge beard, and my ex dragged me to this uh, gender reveal party during the day, and I was so tired. And I just remember talking, and I just couldn't stop. Like, I was just rifling off the f word, just talking like a pirate. And I could see all these other people that live normal lives that are, like, awake during the day because I would sleep all day and be up all night with these with these hooligans. Yeah. All these people were, like, looking at me. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I I live a different lifestyle. I got to go back into civilian life almost. You were the night shift grouch. The night shift grouch. That's, yeah. that's exactly it. And, it, yeah, it, and, dude, all their diets, everyone ate uh, vending machine food and, like, Mountain Dew and, Everyone come in with, like, giant fountain drinks every day and stuff. It's just, like, the worst way to live. Working night shift is terrible for you. Oh, dude, I hate yeah, it. Yeah. Anytime I used to have to work at, uh, at Target. So I had, um, I had moved down to Florida for about six months after I graduated high school. I, w- I was horribly fucking depressed, and I was just in this funk. And I moved in with my sister and my brother-in-law, and I was there for six months, decided I didn't really like Florida, moved back home to Maine, back in with my parents, and I got a job um, because this is when the economy still wasn't doing well. Like, there was a period of time where you could apply to, like, a ton of jobs and you couldn't fucking find one, even, like, low-wage jobs. Really? Yeah. Um, Especially in Maine, there's, there's, there's not really any chance. Like, your only hope is basically you either work at Bath Ironworks or you're a lobster man. Or you work at L.O. Bean, and that that's like a $9 an hour job. Oh, man. Uh, and then everything else is just all your standard bullshit that's everywhere else, like McDonald's, Target, working right. at a grocery store. But I had to work at this um, – at the, the earliest shift, the 4 a.m. fucking shift mm-hmm. at Target. So I had to be up by like 2.45 in the morning. Yeah. And I was 19, dude. I just – had, like, my first girlfriend for the first time, just started getting laid. Um, I hadn't started smoking weed yet or drinking yet. That yeah. came later, that after I yeah. quit Target. But my manager, I had, every morning, they would play, like, this white trash mix of music that had, like, Metallica on it and Buck Cherry. And just alley sh- music. Yeah, just shit like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I call it. Yeah. But they also By played- the way, how good is Buck Cherry? I only know like crazy bitch. That's it. Dude, they're yeah, fucking. That's the only one I know. Dude, too. they're the they're the absolute worst band on earth, bro. <laughs> we were at this uh, we were at this festival in Indianapolis, and all day it was cool. And then Buck Cherry was headlining, and it, I was like, not super. I knew their hits. I knew like whatever. But they came on, and I, I it was unbelievably bad. And really? I was like, so yeah, we left and went to McDonald's during the during the headliner. They have yeah. a they have a lot of songs about like drugs and fucking bitches and stuff. I mean, that sounds cool. Yeah, that's that's mainly what their music's about. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they rock. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> continue. Yeah, so um, I was I was working at Target, hated my wife, but my my boss had sat me down 
um, and was like, you need to prove to me that you want to be here. And then the next what? day I just, I, cause I had called out a bunch cause I was 19. I, I also, how was I supposed to go to sleep when I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I just, I couldn't, my brain couldn't adjust to that. Light. Show yeah. me you want to be here at target. Yeah. Whoa. Working dude. on the flow team. And there was, <laughs> there was one morning dude where I rode my bike. I had to ride my bike <laughs> like eight miles. I had to leave at like one in the morning to get to work on time. Oh my! And God. I showed up, and she said, "Show me that you want to." Well, be it was a dude. He was oh, okay. he was he was an asshole. Um, but long story short, every time I hear foreplay, long time by uh by the band Boston, yeah, mm-hmm. I love I, that song. I think of working that that was the only song that I liked on that CD. Okay, because in That's the a morning, great song. yeah, <laughs> it's a great song. Um, in the morning, that was a we had to unload the truck first. Like that yeah. was the first thing, and there was all these dudes who were like they had to be big dick Rambo's and like unload the heaviest shit on the truck. They stuck me nice. all the way down at the end of the line, mm-hmm. and I always was getting in trouble because I didn't work fast enough, and I always got yelled at for talking too much, yeah, and just shit like that. They yeah. were like less talking, more putting shit on shelves, and I'm like, oh, I can do man. both, but I hated it. I had so many shit jobs, dude. That's just uh. The polar opposite of working at the factory in Indiana. Uh, it definitely, everything, it's just such a dangerous place, like rushing like that. You can't do it, first of all. You just get hurt. All the, dude, like, everyone's cutting themselves all the time and burning themselves and not reporting it. Just because you can't. If you, if you, if you did, that's all you would do. And it would it'd just be a nightmare. You just can't. You're, Plus, they would drug test you. No, they, oh, what's interesting about the union... Um, is they have this uh, thing, unless you hurt somebody else, then there's some different rules. you got to be careful about when other people are around. But if you just hurt yourself um, and they have suspicions to drug test you, because they don't always do it, but they have suspicions, you get two weeks' notice. And then if you, if you fail, I was advised by several people just to be like, just tell them you have a problem and they'll send you to rehab and you won't get fired. I mean, there's, it's, you have to try so hard to get fired from those jobs, really hard. I, I ruined tens of thousands of dollars worth of material several times, uh, several times. Nothing Jeez. happened at all. I knocked over a fence because I was throwing a little bitch fit about uh, driving the fork truck because someone else called into work and I was driving the fork truck. And it was an accident. I definitely didn't do it on purpose, but I was rushing and I tipped over a, a fence that guarded an, an electrical unit. And uh, nothing happened. Nothing happened about it. But it was a total accident. Had I, I didn't do it on purpose or whatever. But, yeah, there's a lot of protection at any other job. Like, if you do that at Target, you're gone. Yeah. And immediately. Yeah. You're gone. Fired instantly. It is, it is a nice thing. What, what's nice about the unit, I've matured a bit because I used to have some qualms with the whole situation. Um, but what I've, what I've realized is what those unions allow are people to live a good life and not kill themselves every day. Because I was there for maybe two, two and a half. Maybe I was going on three years, maybe. Um, I was young, and I, I would work fast and quick because it just felt good to finish the day, being really accomplished. But those people, we, the, when I worked there, they have to do it for 30 years. So you can't bust ass and kill yourself every day. Your body will fall apart. And I didn't make the connection at the time. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I didn't make the connection that those, it's, they're in it for the long haul. So if they are to destroy themselves and kill themselves every day, it does feel nice to get a lot accomplished, but their bodies just won't do it. And they have like kids, they got a lot of college and houses to pay for. 
So it's something for them to think about. And I used to have a lot of animosity because I was like, why is everyone not, I wouldn't say dragging their feet, but there are no, there's no, uh, they're not particularly motivated. They're not urgent about their, about right. their motions. And I, they didn't make sense to me, but I, I realize now it's like taking your time and just getting done and getting through each day as a long term. That's, that was, that was kind of their end goal. So I realize that now. Um, but yeah, at the time, I butted heads with a lot of people just because I just wanted to hurry. And mostly I was just, um, I was uh, pissy all the time because I got stuck on third shift. And I was like, well, I work so hard and I do all this. I deserve to have a better time shift. But it's all union stuff, so you have to wait your turn. You have to wait months and years at times yeah. to get a better shift. So I, I It's all about seniority with unions. All about seniority. And that's why I got laid off. They laid off 92 people. I was like number 87. So I like almost didn't get laid off, but... Um, yeah, my life completely changed when I did. Oh, yeah. I said thank God for COVID-19 earlier. Yeah. I got to play golf every day and got paid $650 by Indiana to play golf every day. It was pretty dope. What, when did you move here at, like, what point during COVID? Um, I was, I was uh, living in Kokomo, just, like, not doing anything for, like, seven months. And then Dustin came and visited me. He said, dude, you should check out Nashville if you like it. Um, there might be a way for you to move down here. It's like, oh, I don't know. And it, it's totally out of my character to, to take risks and do things like that. And then I, I came and checked it out. I stayed for a week, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I, I moved in, like, in December, a couple months following that, and I've been here since. Were they already living in the castle at that point, or were they just? I was just... in the castle. I moved, I moved into uh, Scotty Chapman's old room. Okay, so no, they no, were they Liam, were already Liam's, living there. Yeah, yeah, Scotty Chapman's old room. Yeah. So many people pass through the fucking castle. Yeah. Because oh, Danny the lived there, era. too. Yeah, Danny yeah, lived there. Right at the end. Danny yeah. lived in the sunroom. What a yeah. trooper. Yeah. He was camping every day. So oh, yeah. there was a, it was like a, what, four-bedroom house? Uh, Three upstairs, one downstairs. Yeah, yeah. four-bedroom house. We had, what, nine people living there? Nine people on the property. Yeah. On the property. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite, it was, people were living in It was a madhouse, dude. Yeah. yeah, the dining room. Yeah, that was, that was nuts, man. That was the end of an era. I, I kind of saw the last leg of that. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was definitely like a uh, a frat house environment, but with yeah. musicians. Yeah. Like, it, it was very rare I would go over there, and it was like a quiet night. It, it would happen. Yeah, there were no quiet nights. Really. But there was really? always shit going, going on. Like, I would go over there, and it might just be like me and Josh chilling, and then all of a sudden Dustin comes home, and Scotty comes home. Yeah. And then the Cobra comes over. The, and then the Cobra <laughs> randomly shows up on a Wednesday. The entire bar. We get a text that say, hey, the Cobra might come over. Okay. We, usually everyone's down. One of our roommates had a, had a job where he had to be up early in the morning. Tristan. Yeah, he didn't love that so much. Tristan's also from Kokomo. There's about a fucking dozen of us that yeah. are here. That's funny. Yeah, Tristan, my mom was actually Tristan's uh, teacher's aide when he was in first grade. For his, his first grade class, my mom was a teacher's aide in that class. Was he a troublemaker back then, too? No, nah, he was sweet. I think, uh, I think maybe he was not mouthy, but he, he, he would talk a little bit. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. My mom just said he was sweet. She, she said he looked really cute when she saw him the other day, so I told him to chill out when he saw her, too. But, <laughs> um, no, yeah, there's a bunch of us from Kokomo. Oh, yeah, Josh. Uh, Josh, is, Josh Norfleet, his big sister was in my graduating class, Jessica. Um. Yeah, she's about to get married. I think. I uh, I met her doing Uber one day. Totally oh, random. Small fucking world. Yeah, yeah of course. Because uh, 
I was like, oh, where are you guys from? It was it was her and her fiance. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, we're from Indiana. I said, oh, what part of Indiana? I have a ton of friends from Kokomo. And she's like, oh, my brother lives here. Uh, and then she was like, do you know Josh Norfleet? And I was like, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I play bass in Josh's solo band. That's so random. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Nashville is such a big little town. Everyone's kind of like, at least in that world, everyone rubs elbows with each other. The K-Town people. Dude, it's, it's funny because, like, my introduction to it was through Josh and, and Dustin. Yeah. I, like, met Dustin. We played out at a, at a blues jam. And um, it was with Liam and Rocco. Nice. And it was honestly, we sounded good. Like we played well together, but I, that was my first impression of Dustin was him as a drummer and we just locked in. Um, but yeah, I mean, we started talking and, uh, I met Josh not long after it might've been that night I met Dustin too. But when I met, I first met Josh, I didn't, I didn't believe he, like, I didn't trust him because I didn't believe anybody was that genuinely nice, and he is that genuinely nice. Josh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Josh, he is, I call him. Yeah. I, lo- I love Josh. He's a, uh, I won't say my, my man crush. I will just, we're just uh, uh, distant life partners, I suppose. Every time I see Josh, it's like, uh, I just saw him a second ago. I love Josh. Um, love you, Josh, by the way, if you're listening. Love you, Josh. Um, <laughs> um, I wasn't really, like, uh, that tight with Josh when we were growing up. Dustin and I... Dustin um, kind of got into my friend's group. Uh, I used to bring him around, and uh, it was funny. They're just polar opposites from a lot of other people I hung out with. And But I slowly just uh, leaked Dustin in little increments at a time to where he became part of our crew. Was Dustin your weird friend? No, Dustin, Dustin was kind of the punching bag, though, uh, which... Wasn't cool. I never participated in that, but I feel like I feel like he leaned into it a little bit because it got it was funny. He yeah, likes he, it. He likes the attention. Well, <laughs> no? some, my friends were pretty brutal sometimes too, but he, it gave him a thick skin at least. It gave him a thick skin. Yeah, you can say mm, anything. Dustin has that a very true. thick, anything thick skin. That's Dustin, true. Bro. Yeah, um, I have a couple friends that were particularly like brutal, mean to him. Do you um, remember the cornrow years for Dustin? Oh, dude. Absolutely. There's a memory I have where Dustin walked over to my house um, and was asking for, for me to come outside and, like, play, pretty much. Like, come outside and hang out. And he walked over, and my dad answered, and I hear my dad just laughing <laughs> <laughs> at the front door. Oh, no. He's just laughing, and he goes, what do you do? And he was, he was like, I got, my, I got my hair braided. Well, this, the other side of our, of our block... Um, was like low, there was like a low income, like, uh, uh <laughs> what's it called? Apartment complex. Uh huh. Dustin hung out with a, a more a, eclectic crew than I did. Uh, yeah. but you're dancing sick. around what you're trying to say here, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, let's just say they used to drop the eagle in Dustin's, uh, Dustin's driveway. Uh, what's that? Drop down, get your eagle on, girl. Whatever. That happened a lot. Uh, <laughs> Dustin, uh, <laughs> So he came to my house in Cornrows. Yeah, I have a lot to say about that. We'll skip that. Dustin came to my house in Cornrows. My dad was laughing at him. And then uh, we were going to a party that night, I think. And Dustin has Cornrows in for that party. That's where we, we went there with uh, a guy named Taz now. He's a, he makes music, I think, professionally for... Uh, he makes like music for, for commercials. He did an Under Armour commercial and things like oh, that. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's doing cool. great. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Yeah, Taz. I won't say his real name. But... Uh, yeah, he's a cool dude. We went to this uh, upper, uh, party that night. 
But yeah, Dustin got cornrows. I remember that year. We uh, one time Dustin had this outfit on where he was wearing all baby blue, and these white trash dudes pulled up next to us. When we were, I was walking Dustin. We were just walking around the block, and they were like, "Hey man, you know those were our colors." He's like, "We could beat you in if you if you want." And he had like bandanas. Dustin had like bandanas tied around him and shit. Just because it looked cool. Oh, no. He just wanted to match. This is very particular about matching. <laughs> oh, yeah. He just wanted to match. So this day, it was the scariest moment ever. I mean, we were petrified. What did Dustin say? Dude, we were like 12 years old. It, it was just, <laughs> it was like such a, it, I don't know. It was like an out-of-body experience because we were like petrified. We were like, we didn't know if they were being serious, but it looked like they were. Dustin was like, no, dude, no. He's like, I just like to look cool. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we were so scared for the rest of the afternoon. We just went home and stayed in our houses. We were like, I don't know what to do. But yeah, it's okay, Kokomo living, baby. <laughs> it seems like such a mythic place to me. I, I haven't gotten to go it's, yet. It's not mythic. There's nothing super special about it. It's just you happen to know seven people who can who are really good at reminiscing. Well, here's the thing. Joshy paints a paints a picture yeah he does does, i agree but the reason that i say it's mythic because it seems so plain and normal like all all of the stories about it where it's like growing up in a small town i can relate to that so much Mm because there are like all these different fables about your town and about the the time that this girl blew this guy under the bleachers at a football game just shit like that you know what i mean small town fun stuff Yeah. yeah That's fun. Well, when you guys see us get together, we all just immediately revert back to that because those inside, like, jokes and memories just hit real hard. Everyone can appreciate that. Everyone everyone likes that. Well, it's a shared experience, I think, you know, like, in, in, especially in small town America, it seems to be disappearing more and more. Um, just the idea that you can go, like we were talking about earlier, that you can go and get a job like at a factory and your parents are able to buy you guitars or able to get you bullshit right. like that growing yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but th- there's this huge like drop off, especially since COVID happened. Like I think COVID, I agree with what you said for me, for me personally too. Like mm-hmm. my life got a lot better during COVID. Yeah. Um, but there's so many things that are fucked right now in America in general because of the COVID situation where it was... It was a catalyst. Yeah, there was, there was things that were, were barely getting held together, whether it was politics, uh, economics, whatever the situation was, COVID completely fucked all of that shit up. Um, it, was, it was at the right place at the right time for the right people. And yeah, there, that could go a lot of different ways. But yeah, I... Um, it happened when it happened, and uh, obviously, I don't wish. Man, it's it's people getting sick and dying is not cool, but it changed the situation created by um, the reaction to the whole situation uh, changed my life for the better. So, but um, yes, it was awfully convenient the timing of that particular illness. Why was it convenient? Mm-hmm. Um, well. There was a lot going on. There, there was actually a lot of violence happening. People forget about um, pre-January 6th. There was a lot of violence going on. Actually, it was peaceful protest. Yeah, peaceful protest with right. buildings burning down, yeah. Well, it is funny how none of that gets brought up anymore. And it, it's like... You can't. I, I agree yeah. with the core of like what the people were saying. Like There should be equality. There is police 
doing fuck shit and killing Absolutely. black people and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I 100% agree with that. But I also think that going and burning down a fucking building is not your local community. Yeah, it's not the solution for small, like they're burning down small businesses and shit. Well, I guess it brings publicity. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect example of like a, an empty sentiment. Like, what do they, what's, what's really the point here? Um, but yeah, um, locking people in their homes and keeping them from work is a great way to extinguish a lot of, uh, a lot of things that were maybe making a certain group of people, um, and by that I mean uh, liberals. Yeah, look not so great. So that helped. It also helped for mail-in <laughs> mail-in voting. I mean, how how fast you want to be kicked off of your of your platform? Uh, dude, I always yeah. just go balls to the wall, anyways. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, the mail-in voting. The fact that Joe Biden got more votes than any other president in American history, uh, uh, absurd, uh, unreal. There, no way. There's no way. Why do you say that? Um, I find it... Uh, oh, dude, he's just a, just a Muppet, man, right away. Clearly, clearly out of it. Clearly the person that got elected by a group of people that needed someone to be the front runner. They chose uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris. What can you say negative about her um, without facing some type of backlash, getting called an ism? in any sort of way, untouchable, really. So Joe Biden goes up there, more votes than any other president in American history simply because they force-fed ballots into people just living at home and things like that. Well, here's my my take on it, and I think it's darker and more negative than your take. I think there was so many people that were upset by Donald Trump in general that they voted for Joe Biden. It was the fear. Yeah. Yeah, it was the fear. Yeah, it was the same thing that they, well, I mean, I don't want to get too much on any tangents, but the idea of, like, you know, going into Afghanistan after 9-11, the fear of terrorism. And then Iraq. Yeah, and and then Iraq. So they used the same tactic of fear to get people to do a certain thing. Well, they always capitalize on tragedy. Never let a good tragedy go to waste. And it's like there was things that I really did like about Trump. He he had some good policies. Overall, I don't know if America like spiritually or mentally can handle Donald Trump part 2. Mm-hmm. Um I did vote for him in 2020. I will never vote for another major party candidate again. Yeah. Like I was I was very disappointed in Trump at the end with January 6th. Although he didn't cause it, he definitely stokes fires. And he, he did say, like, go home, don't ride or whatever. But even then, I, I like, he riles people up. And he knew that those people were going to get riled up. And, like, whether Donald Trump is horrible, good, whatever, um, my whole thing with him in the end was he had the opportunity to pardon Julian Assange and he had the opportunity to pardon Edward Snowden and he didn't do it. Yeah. And that, that was a major disappointment to me because it's like, there was he had some great policies. He he was honestly definitely the best foreign policy president of my lifetime. He didn't have to do that because those people that would have been happy about him doing that were already in his corner. Uh, I think it was a bigger it was a risk versus reward thing. I think if he would have done that, it would have been another thing for uh 
what yeah MSM mainstream media to just be like look at what he did look at this traitor this guy I think he he should have done it yeah I think he avoided it because he was trying to run for a second term um, I agree the people that like you said the people that would have been excited about that were probably probably already like but I think as far as like American democracy goes though if Edward Snowden and Julian Assange were both free men. Yeah. They could do so much fucking damage. It's true. You, that, yeah. the, and that was my whole thing. It's like, yeah, I, that's, that's what was disappointing for me. And like the other thing, like Ron DeSantis, everybody's talking about him. I do think he would be probably a pretty good president, but even the other day when that whole thing happened, where he sent all those migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny as a troll, yeah. like on the surface, but what I didn't like was that, it was human human lives, and he was, yeah. like, exploiting them for politics. And, of course, all the brain-dead liberals were like, oh, just come here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just putting mm-hmm. on a show. Right. And it gave them the opportunity to put on a show. And, like, with – basically, he's thinking of the primaries, and he's targeting all the extremists right. on the right right now. And right. no, Because that's who you have to target during the primaries. Yeah. Like, once you get into the actual election, you already have those people. They've already voted for you. Right, right. Now it's he has to win over just Americans who are in the middle. And I'm just tired of politics being so extreme because, like, someone like Tulsi Gabbard, I would much prefer her to be president or, like, Rand Paul over someone like Donald Trump. Again, right. I, I do think there was a lot of good things about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He's the only fucking person to call out China in the past 40 fucking years in America. Every other president has worked hand in hand with China. Something that I think about when you bring up like Tulsi Gabbard, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Trump, those type of people, they're people that you never hear speak in code. They speak plainly and they say what what they mean at the time. Um, And I think something has to be said for um, why is it that the intelligence community, the mainstream media, um, owned by all these companies with a lot to gain from certain things, why what is the end game for such a concerted effort to silence and extinguish these people? Um, why is it that all of a sudden um, people are so invested in their, um, their dedication to these ideals and their political beliefs based off of um, the intelligence community, the FBI, the CIA, that has a, a crazy tradition of doing things behind the scenes to deceive and defy, defy yeah. the American they're people that never have to get voted in um, w- yes what is what is the end game of the intelligence community to silence these certain people that has clearly done things um, and not the best the best uh, without the people's best thing in mind uh, I was thinking about this the other day on 9-11 I know this is hilarious to say 9-11 <laughs> Uh, but on 9-11, they found the wallet of one of the hijackers on the, on the sidewalk outside the World Trade Centers. That's in, that's, in the, that's in the documents they released, the classified documents. They found the wallet of one of the hijackers. There's no way. I mean... Wouldn't it just be disintegrated upon impact? Yeah, but that's, like, that's a thing they use to like pin this certain person, like put this person in the plane when it happened. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird things. One has to ask themselves why all of a sudden are these organizations that have got us into war and done all these terrible things, why are they the arbiters of moral uh, and political truth now? And why are all these people that are speaking against these type of people, why are they the pariahs? 
I don't know. I think it's just a question people should think about. I think about that a lot, too. What do you, what do you think it is, if you had to guess? I think there's a lot of people uh, that have a lot of money to make off of uh, war and, and uh, energy and things like that um, that, are, that have a lot more say than Green. we are giving them giving yeah. those invisible people credit for. I, I don't know. I can't deduce anything else than that. It has to be something like that. I don't know. China, I'm sure they've been playing a long game, introducing different things. Into our China country. is genius in their strategy, yeah, they dude. Have a, they have a strangle. They are them. expert strategists and tacticians. They, could, they have a, too much in, investi, uh, investing in our media. Um, what do you think about TikTok? Oh, you've seen the Joe Rogan thing where he talks about the TikTok, <laughs> yeah. the TikTok thing. Yeah, they can, they can harvest every piece of information about you. And it goes, I mean, it goes straight to that company owned by China. Interesting. I don't know. Trump tried to ban TikTok at one point. He tried. Yeah. TikTok as a platform, I do have TikTok. Um, as a platform, it is good. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a musician, if you're any kind of trying to be any kind of influencer, creator, whatever, um, it is the best engineered platform. And it's the most, funnily enough, it's the most democratized when it comes to algorithms. Yeah. So you're like your chances of going viral on TikTok are a lot higher than on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I didn't really know the length that like of course any company that's in China is going to be influenced by the Chinese government. They have a different version of TikTok over there too. Right. Like kids under the age of eighteen or whatever, if they're still in school. They can't, um, it's not like in America. It's like all science and athletic achievements and shit like that. And then at like whatever time it just shuts off. Uh, Yeah. Well, what I wonder is how much like personal information from users can be, you know, extracted by the CCP. I imagine all of it, dude. Oh, if it's a company. I mean, it's safe to assume that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it is. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, our government's doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our our government definitely is. Yeah. I mean, that's why Edward Snowden left, because he's like, yeah, this is what's happening. Right. Well, and Facebook's admitted to, you know, cooperating with uh, intelligence communities yeah. for various And yeah, things. everyone was acting dumb on that. We already knew that was happening. Um, yeah, that's a convenient, convenient thing to ignore. I was uh, an everyday Alex Jones listener back in like 2011, 2012, around the time of nice. Snowden. And before Snowden happened, Alex Jones at length talked about this facility that they had built in Utah mm-hmm. that was storing everybody's data, yeah, listening into your phone calls. Because people always say, they're like, well, I, I don't have anything to hide. I don't give a fuck. Right. And I think that's just the wrong the wrong stance to take because it's like, yeah. yes, you're right. You're not guilty of anything, but if you're not guilty of anything, why are they collecting your data? Also, someone could get in power and decide that they don't like what you think, what you believe, yeah. things along those lines. And instantly everything that you've ever said or done mm-hmm. can be posted. Right. right. It's the, it doesn't affect me personally mentality. Yeah. Um, which Yes. Yeah, that's not true stupid. liberty. Yeah, that no. uh, that idea is probably correct now, but wait till the people in power don't agree with you and you're the one getting your your things stripped away from you. Well, well no, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Yeah, uh, just, uh, it should be yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Um tyranny is the the one thing throughout human history that's always happened. There's yeah. never been a time without tyranny. 
Um, no matter where you go throughout the world at any given point, as long as there were human beings, there was some kind of oppressive nature. Yeah. And it's not every single country of every single society mm-hmm. um, or every single government, but like America, you know, it, it's funny to look back pre 9 11 because I feel like the moment that the 21st century truly happened was 9 11. Like that yeah. would that ushered in this new era of just panic and chaos. And I remember on the yeah. news when I was a kid that they would have, oh, today's an orange day. Today's yeah. a yellow day. Right, yeah. And it was for your threat level alert for a terrorist attack. Yeah, and then the well, anthrax thing happened. That was a uh, whole thing. Yeah, that was nuts. They found out that was a church. Uh, it was a church that had some, I don't know, they had some bio lab they had access to. Yeah, didn't they yeah. send something to, like, Tom Burkaw and Oh, I don't know, baby. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that, Brokaw. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, damn, that's crazy. Uh, Danny, uh, how old were you when 9-11 happened? You were pretty young, right? Yeah, I was born in 96, so... You were, like, seven? Five. Or, five? Or, uh, yeah, it was 2001, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I would have been five years old, yeah. Do you have any memories of it at all? I do because my dad, like, lost his shit. My dad's a pilot, so it was, like, a huge deal to him. I mean, it was a huge deal, of course, but um, I probably wouldn't have remembered it so well if, you know, it was a very dramatic morning. What does he say about it? What does he say about... Like, Like 9-11, do you, you, like, what does he think, like... Um... He dismisses a lot of the conspiracy theories, um, most of them, because he's listened to, like, the actual black box tapes, I guess. Ah. Or he claims to have, like, to have more information than the general public, which I'm sure is true to an extent. But um, my dad's not really a conspiracy theorist in general. He... He le- he leans to. I would say this. He agrees with what was the flight that? I'm not gonna say like. Okay, everyone, most people except got the, shot down. The, the one that wasn't. As that was going to the Pentagon. Yeah, the, the one, one that, that they say cool they tried to. You know, they were take, diverting it from the White House. Okay, it's <laughs> mostly known to people that that was shot down, and it makes sense as to why it would be. Right. That was the one going towards the White House or the Pentagon. Well, it ended up at the Pentagon, but I think. W- what I've heard, like conspiracy theory wise, is that it was going to the White House, and that's why uh, it was shot down. Damn. He, I mean, I don't want to, you know, pin this on him specifically, but he he definitely believes that. I yeah. can't say whether he knows for sure or not, but he tends to believe. Well, that, that. was the one that they tried to to basically turn. They said that the people who were on the plane tried, took, contr- tried took to, control of it, yeah, and they crashed roll, it. That, that book, Let's Roll, that they actually proved wasn't real. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, my dad, he doesn't really entertain the conspiracy theories. I'm kind of on the fence about it. I mean, I don't – I think there's definitely things that don't add up. Um, I think the government the knew. sidewalk, bro. They were, they were participating in um, military uh, – like, they were practicing for a similar situation that day when it happened. Um, also, there's so many things you can, fl- you can go into about the nonsense behind that. But I think it was a catalyst. The Patriot Act was a catalyst to just get into everyone's digital information and just uh, you could harvest it and sell it and figure out what's going on. Um, Because that that was 2001, that was really, 
it was before the internet as we know it today. I mean, yeah. the internet was still a thing, right? But it wasn't like it is fucking today. Where yeah, it was, we didn't have cell phones. And yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah. It was just or, something that was kind of in the background that you could access at home. I remember I used yeah. to go on like this Nickelodeon website. Mm-hmm. And trade these digital trading cards and play these games to yeah. win them when I was a kid. Just right. shit like that. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of little silly stuff. But now, I mean, it's just all-encompassing. It's how everybody fucking communicates. Um, yeah, I think, uh, like, what was it? The average third grader looks at their phone like 16 hours a day. Something ridiculous like that. Because at school now... Kids are on, on tablets and things doing, and computers doing things. And then at home, they're on their phones. So there's only like two hours each day where they're not actually just looking at, like, at a screen, which is crazy to think about. I think we were like the last generation that avoided that. We didn't have all the screens and stuff at school. Well, the technology wasn't advanced enough yeah, yet. Yeah, we just didn't have, the, we didn't have the means to do so, or else we would have. Cause yeah. It's cheaper to operate a school that way, I'm sure. But, yeah, I don't know. Um. China's nuts, dude. <laughs> I had this one. Uh, I was in this car with this Indian guy. Uh, he had just bought a Captain D's. He was running. He was the franchise owner of Captain D's. And he was com- he was talking about how many hours he had been working, and then he started talking about how much he hates the uh, the culture in the United States because uh, he said it's all hustle and bustle. There's no culture. It's like everyone just lives to work. And then he started telling me about how China's going to take us over and how they're building a road to Africa things like that. So that was a pretty pleasant experience. But I, I humored him. I wouldn't listen to what he said because I hadn't heard a lot of these things, especially from a, a, his perspective. What is the, the road that they're building to Africa? Um, the road to nowhere, dude. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're building a road to Africa because I, I guess it's, it's going to help trade somehow. It's like a, you ever played Civilization, the video game Civilization? No, but I played Risk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We played Risk. Yeah, in civilization, you could build roads and trade routes to different people, and it, it helps your civilization a lot. A road to Africa, and good luck. Well, there, there, there are a lot of resources in Africa. I mean, right. uh, between shit for cell phones and, like, electric cars and so much shit that we, we use, it is yeah. there. Um, and Precious it, metals and things? What? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know I don't what know exactly what it is, but I, yeah. I, I, it's like what, like some of the conductors and shit that are in our phones. A lot of it's silver. Got yeah, a lot of ivory there. Yeah, a lot of ivory. <laughs> you can make ivory smoothies to give you better libido. <laughs> ivory smoothies. Yeah, dude. Oh, um, but yeah, no, I, I think. You ever been poaching, Danny? You ever poached anything? <laughs> no. Yeah, I never poached either. I thought about it. Maybe maybe that's the next venture for Danny once he sells the carpet cleaning business. Yeah, dude, sell your business, get rich, and just go, let's go poaching. Oh, yeah. Great idea. Let's we do can it. We can kill elephants for their tusks and rhinos <laughs> for their horns. Well, you can grind down their horns, and you can make a lot of medicines out of those, according to the people that are going to take us over with their magic road to Africa. <laughs> according to, according sorry to, I mentioned ivory. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that triggered me. Did you hear my, my, the inflection of my voice change? I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, they're witchcraft and wizardry over there in China. How come China wasn't representative in the, represented in the Harry Potter movies? I think Cho Chang... Cho Chang? Well, here's the thing. There's there's wizarding schools all over the world. Oh, so this is the European ones. Yeah. The hot Russian girls and all that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. I wonder what the American wizarding school is like. I don't think Harry Potter would have been as successful if it was set in America. Oh, no. They're... they're Adorable British charm is what <laughs> really of, of little end. British children and luckily Dumbledore, Dumbledore was was a gay man. Uh, luckily, 
Because otherwise, I was going to be pissed about that whole story front to back. Well, here's the thing. The audacity. In, in regards to that. So what's fucked is that, like, I don't give a fuck if they make gay characters or whatever, but it's just, like, after the fact being like, oh, yeah, by, oh, the, by way, the way. he was he was super he gay. He was gay the whole time. Yeah, yeah just... Uh, like, <laughs> shit like that. I'm like, okay, I understand yeah. But d- like as as a creative person who likes art and movies and music and books, it's like what role does it have in the story? And I also feel like it's disrespectful. There's a new generation and it's so inauthentic and they're just trying to get in the paper. And they're trying to yeah, they're trying to modernize it. It's just like it doesn't that all those things, it's a children's book, all those things could have went unsaid first of all. Um well, and never yeah. even romantically in the books talked about Dumbledore, I don't think, or oh, in the Dumbledore. movies. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, nothing romantically with Dumbledore. No, they don't really die. No, 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 no. That's not true. Doesn't he go on a date with? Uh, there's one where he goes on a date with some lady. Isn't it in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban? He goes on a date with a lady. Is that Hagrid? Or oh wait, who are we just talking about? Dumbledore. Oh, you know what? I. My bad. Hagrid ends up hooking Never up. Never mind. In the movie, Hagrid ends up hooking up with the... I was thinking of Hagrid. The, the Sorry. giant lady that's from my, uh, the hot Russian. That's whatever. my bad. I mixed it the up. The floor. Oh, yeah. You know from, was that in uh, Goblet of Fire? That's Goblet of Fire. Okay. Dude. I don't know why I thought that was... I was Fire. really into Harry Potter when I was a kid. Yeah, dude. What the fuck? My brother actually met his wife on a Harry Potter fan website, dude. MuggleNet.com. Shout out to MuggleNet.com. <laughs> he, was an ad, he was an admin for MuggleNet.com, and they met on there, and they moved in together in college. They've been married since. Crazy. Harry Potter bringing people together, dude. What's their houses? Um, oh, they're smart and pretentious. So, uh, Slytherin? No. Uh, Ravenclaw? Ravenclaw? Ravenclaw, yeah. What about you? Um, you know, dude... <laughs> Indy would have been the brother that didn't get into Hogwarts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a janitor. I was filch. What did, now, what would my job be at Hogwarts? I like. I was like the the gym teacher at Hogwarts or something like that. I feel like you're the Sorting Hat kind of. I could be the Sorting Hat. Oh, dude, I went to this at Ball State. There was an improv comedy group that met, and you could sign up for different clubs. And it was a club, and it's called Something Else. Shout out to Something Else. At Ball State, they did comedy videos when the internet was, YouTube was like booming, becoming a thing. And I went to their meeting, um, and all new people had to pitch ideas. And then we all pitched this, these ideas, and I, I thought of this, I was like, fuck, I got to bring something funny to the table. So, like, so I, th- I thought of this Harry Potter thing. It was a skit where you go to the sorting hat, and then it's a kid, and he's like, oh, anything but Hufflepuff, anything but Hufflepuff. And then he ends up getting Hufflepuff, and then, the, like, long story short, the next scene is he's, like, he hung himself in the fucking... In oh, the, fuck. In the dormitory, like, the Jeez. great halls. It was a little dark, but, like... <laughs> it's very dark. How did it go over? Oh, my I God. Mean, oh, he hung himself, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about with the people when you pitched it. Oh, they didn't like it at all. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> but, but the long... I mean, it's... Honestly, dude, that was a dark little story, but the way I presented it was, like, decently funny, like, the irony of him doing that. And then they were like, oh, wow, dark. And then all these prevent people were presenting things where like, what if like he does this? Like they were just clearly making it up as they go along. None of it was funny. And I remember this embarrassing person. Um, they got their idea chosen for the weekly video. I was like, oh my god, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. So by the way, yeah, something else at Ball State. All your videos are trash. 
And so you didn't go back? No, I didn't go back. My idea was way funnier than everyone else's, <laughs> even though it was about a kid hanging himself. I mean, <laughs> the bar was set so An low. An 11-year-old and hanging himself? Like, what if it was like on, I don't even know. The ideas were so absurd. I was like, I remember looking around, getting mad. Just in this room, just like, what? After them going, oh, dark. And I get, yeah, the way I presented it. It was, was a lot of theater kids, right? Oh no! These kids would never be casted in a play, dude. It was, but but that's the like the personality type, though, right? Um, I had this professor one. Uh, it was it was internet. It was uh, the people that are making internet comments. Those were the kids. Oh shit! It was, uh, yeah, it was those kids. Yeah, yeah. commenting Reddit on trolls. Sure. Well, yeah, this is pre Reddit troll. Just the worst kids ever. Um, just the kid in every classroom. You're just like, oh Jesus. Yeah, the, there's a room full of those kids. Yeah, something else sucks. <laughs> Indy, when are you going to do an open mic for comedy? Um, probably never. I'm a huge pussy, dude. Huge. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, maybe. Um, I'd, have to, I'd have to really write stuff down. I, I don't really write anything down. I've always wanted to do that, but it's all right. We'll figure it out. Let me, let me throw this out here. If No bet. Everyone wants to do this. If I do five minutes... Me and Danny <laughs> will go and do five minutes somewhere, and if you don't go, you'll look like a massive pussy. <laughs> a lot to lose there. <laughs> sure, dude, I would like to do something. We can, we can semi-commit, halfway blue blood commit to doing something, possibly at one point, yes. I'd be down to do that. Possibly You're funny as fuck. Point. You're one of the funniest people I know. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Can can we get a uh, craziest castle story from you before? Uh, uh, no. I, um, craziest castle story. Um. Oh, dude. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no. We had this party and we woke up and there was blood all over our bathroom and someone had written like a, a Kanye West quote in blood in our bathroom. What was oh the quote? My God. Uh, it was. I think it was actually it was vote for Jesus. That's what it said in, in blood in our bathroom. I was not there yet. Yeah, after this party. Do you know who it was that did that? Um, or do you have a suspicion you don't have to say we, the name? We figured out who it was. Um, no one of them. Didn't, didn't you guys say you found out later that it wasn't? That? No, this kid got accused and then everyone tried to smear this kid's name because they thought he was doing it because he had, yeah. He just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He had painted nails and I had caught him writing on stuff in the house. With the markers, but I mean that's a big jump from writing on things. Is it who I think you're talking about? Um, I have no idea. No, no one. I don't think you know any of these people. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we found a, a message written in blood, and then we it, somebody got wrongly accused, and everybody was all butthurt about it and tried to get them like um, in trouble <laughs> in one way or another, and then it ended up being a totally other like different person. And I remember warning everybody. I'm like, Hey, before you accuse this person, that's a big thing you're accusing them of, of like doing, like cutting themselves and writing in their blood on our wall. But yep, yeah, I was right. As always, it ended up being someone else. So that was, that was like the craziest, like most rock and roll thing that happened. But nice. yeah, I guess that's a castle in a nutshell, dude. Have you ever <laughs> been caught jerking off before? Um, yes. By my ex's little brother, dude, me and my ex, used to live together, and then uh, it's like a boy and a girl, like they're brothers and sisters, but I guess they didn't knock on doors when they lived together in their house when they were young. <laughs> so he just walks into my master bedroom, just like, I'm just standing up in the middle of the open area, <laughs> naked after the shower in my room, and he sees me, and I'm just like, I'm just like, 
dude, what the? And he just like walks out. He goes, oh, sorry. Never spoke of it ever again. Never, never said anything. I mean, he got a full, I mean. He, I mean, it, what is there to say? Yeah, what is there to say? It's like, dude, you fucked up. Knock <laughs> on the door, man. If the, if the door is closed, it's for a reason. <laughs> I guess they just don't knock. I think that was the most, that was like one time I was like, oh yeah, I'm caught for sure. Damn. Danny, where can people find you at? Do you have any shows coming up? Um, I've got, I'm working on some shows. I'm not going to say any shows on the books at the moment. Uh, people can always find me on Instagram at shooting the shit, or you can find the Instagram for Eatsley Brock Nashville at Eatsley Brock Nashville. And if um, you need your carpets cleaned? Uh, yeah. Nashville carpet cleaning for sure. Uh, Nashville carpet cleaning tn.com. Oh yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Nashville, Nashville carpet cleaning. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I thought it was uh, sponsored by Indie Sports Vets. Yeah, do not uh, <laughs> do not actually sue me. I'm not good at sports. I have no idea what's going on. I've just gotten lucky twice in a row. All my advice should be taken with a, like a fucking salt lick, huge grain of salt. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a professional gambler now. I'm happy to be here, dude. Andy, how can people find you? Um, don't find me. <laughs> just look up Indy Matthew. That's my name. You one can, T. Yeah, one T. You can find me on, on different social Text him for betting advice. Don't text me for anything. <laughs> but thanks, yeah. It has been fun. Awesome. Thanks, Andy, for coming on. Danny, thank you for returning. Always. I can't wait to piss, dude. Uh, you'll be able to piss in a second. Uh, <laughs> see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. All right. See ya. <laughs>